Welcome to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Delenia Agresta, and I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian. I started this podcast to help people like you heal their relationship with their bodies and food. Each week, there is a new episode that talks about different topics surrounding eating disorder recovery, diet culture, weight inclusivity, and more. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. This is your host, Eleni, and as always, I am so grateful to have you here with me today. Today is a solo episode, and I'm going to be focusing on discussing what weight-inclusive living is. So stay tuned for this episode, and thank you for being here. So what is weight-inclusive living? Well, this is something that I have kind of thought about within my head. Um, If you guys know me in person or if you follow me on social media, you know that I spend a lot of time thinking and having these like conversations with myself in my head. But weight-inclusive living to me means that in all aspects of my life, I try to approach it from a weight-neutral and inclusive framework. So what does that mean? Um, So weight neutral means that I am not actively pursuing intentional weight loss. I am not moving my body for the purpose of burning calories or to change how my body looks. Um, My body may change based on the amount and frequency of movement that I engage in. If I'm lifting heavier weights more consistently, again, that may change what my body looks like, but that's not the purpose of why I'm doing it. And it's not really something that I pay attention to. Um, And in terms of like what weight inclusive would encompass would be that I am trying to be mindful of including body body types of all sizes. Um, So not just... Um, kind of only including sizes that are smaller than me and then me considering myself as like the quote-unquote like largest um, size when it comes to like clothing um, and access in terms of like um, traveling and things like that. Like being aware that even though like where I am in my body size – is considered large. I'm considered a fat person. Um, I'm not like the largest person there is. Um, And so for me, I have a lot of privilege because of that. Um, It's not to say that it isn't difficult to exist in a larger size body, especially in this health and wellness space, especially working out at a gym um, and things like that. But in terms of like brands that I promote, athleisure brands that I promote on my social media or that I share on my Instagram, I have become much more um, concerned with not sharing brands that stop at an extra large. And I think that's really important. So not only am I like preaching this weight inclusive living lifestyle, um, but I'm also trying to like practice what I preach, so to speak. And so it's, these are definitely things that I've, um, kind of evolved to encompass. And it's been like, you know, a long journey. Whereas when I first started, um, my private practice, 
back then, um, there weren't weight inclusive anybody's. Um, I remember when I started my Instagram in 2018, my old hashtag was the curvy dietitian because yes, I am a curvy individual. Um, but I felt the need to constantly show that I was like trying to actively engage in weight loss. And that's because that's how I was taught in school. That's what was expected of me and physicians offices that I worked in. Um, that's how it was in the hospital. Those were the main kinds of, um, things that people would come to see me for. Doctors would promote these patients coming to me to lose weight. And if you listen to maybe like one of my first episodes, and if you haven't, my first episode talks about how I kind of came to this space, but I'll just give you like a little bit of a, um, run through. But essentially, like I realized that a lot of these patients that were coming to me that they wanted to quote unquote lose weight, they struggled with disordered eating and or eating disorders. And ethically, I did not feel comfortable with promoting intentional weight loss in individuals that were struggling in that way. I, From where I stand now, I do not believe that it's ethical for anyone to promote intentional weight loss um, by the means of, of restriction. And so I kind of came to this space at a time when it wasn't very popular. And I would say maybe around 2020, I don't know if it was like the pandemic or what it was, but it like kind of grew. It kind of blew up. The intuitive eating movement really kind of took shape and became very popular. And within the few years after that, we definitely saw an increase in brands trying to, you know, cater to larger sizes and, you know, Weight Watchers kind of rebranded themselves as not being a diet. And Noom, which I don't even know when that came out, but it's been out for a while. Um, They were like, no, we're not a diet. We're a lifestyle change. We use cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, like, no, like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a freaking duck. Um, so yeah, so at that point, um, a lot of um accounts on social media that were promoting intentional weight loss, like, oh, do this exercise to help um, you know, give yourself abs or help lose belly fat, um, or lose arm fat or whatever, then they became like, oh no, but like we're saying that all bodies, you know, should be represented and and you should do what with what feels good to you. And that messaging is kind of like wishy-washy and half-assed. And so now we're kind of seeing that this like body acceptance, this quote unquote body positivity movement has like lost a lot of its stamina. Because now we're seeing with the rise of Ozempic, which you guys know I have spoken about many times on this podcast. And now like, you know, in the style section of blogs and stuff like that, they're all showing how a lot of celebrities are now thinner. You talk about the Kardashians and we see that they've like not they're not as curvy as they were before and stuff like that. So now it's becoming harder for individuals to recover from disordered eating or an eating disorder. And it's even harder for individuals to to achieve those things while being in a larger size body because we're being reminded again that society doesn't accept us, doesn't want us. 
and it, it sucks and it's really hard and it's why I take like my platform and and what I do very seriously now I don't have a huge platform by any means but I've always told myself even if one person listens to this episode if if my post on Instagram reaches one person that it resonates with and it makes them feel better and shows them that they don't have to live a life of restriction and disordered eating or that they deserve to recover from their eating disorder even if they live in a larger size body um then I've done my job and so I tr- trudge on um and it's why I really am trying to promote this idea of weight inclusive living. So let me get into a little bit more of what that means. So I already talked about how, you know, I am being conscientious about um, what brands I share in terms of like athletic wear, um, because that's literally all I wear. Um, But I want to be all encompassing for bodies of all sizes. And if their sizing stops at like an extra large or a 1x, I don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing it because it's not inclusive and it isn't supporting the um, all-encompassing inclusive nature of my practice and my page on social media. Um, So that's number one. Number two, um, I am really careful about who I share on my social media in terms of like resharing other um, creators' work. Um, and including on this podcast. Um, It's a decision that I've been making probably over the past year and a half. I mean, I was always careful um, about who I had on this podcast because I um, take your trust in me very seriously that you guys come every week and listen to this podcast. Um, But I've been even more stringent with who I do have on because Over the years, I have seen how sometimes this intuitive eating um, practice often looks a lot like diet culture, and sometimes creators have good intentions. I don't think that people are purposely trying to fool anyone, Um, but I have been working with patients in this space for many years, um, dating back to when I was before a dietitian when I was doing volunteer work back in 2013, which was a long time ago, um, 10 years ago, um, I was volunteering at an outpatient eating disorder program um, in, in Queens in New York. So I've kind of really over the years picked up on different disordered eating habits, eating disorder habits, and things that necessarily don't look so quote unquote bad in terms of like, oh, this this isn't someone's, you know, disordered habit coming through, but I, I have picked up some things that I feel don't aren't as um they make me not feel so good in terms of like would I feel comfortable with one of my patients absorbing this content or listening to what this person is saying? And if my answer is no, then I don't feel comfortable sharing their page. They're um, resharing a post um, or having them on the podcast. And, you know, I hope that that makes sense to you guys. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but um, that's definitely something that I've considered over the years. Because when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, It was like a year into the pandemic. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I would like to make a podcast. And I just kind of went and did it. So I've been you guys have been along for the ride, me learning how to figure out what the heck I'm doing. But my point is, is that I was so excited at the beginning that I was just having any of my friends that I made on social media that are healthcare practitioners come on the podcast. And I'm not saying that I don't stand by who I've had on. It's just moving forward. I've been a little bit more stringent. And I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode where um, I've distanced myself from the um, intuitive eating kind of practice in terms of the like, I don't know if they've had it trademarked or whatever, the two dietitians who created it, but um, I have learned and observed that it is not as inclusive as it claims to be. And I'm not saying that the principles, the 10 principles of the program are not helpful because I do still use a lot of those principles in the work that I do with my clients, but it's not like the gold standard for me. And that's why I really kind of align myself more with the health at every size framework because it's much more inclusive um, of different Um, people. Everyone is different and you can't just use the same principles and expect them to work for everyone. Everyone is unique and different. And so the work that I do with each and every one of my clients is very unique and different. And I tailor what we do to what they need. Um, So in terms of intuitive eating, I've seen a lot of creators show like their plates which I feel is not always appropriate. Now, if I'm out to dinner and I'm just sharing like what I'm ordering, that's I think that that's fine because it's just like this is the dish that I've ordered. Um, but in terms of like my portioning out what I have on my plate, I'm usually very careful about that. And I've seen creators and dietitians and people in this space share their meal and then show what is known as the my plate method, which is essentially like half your plate, um, green, non-starchy veggies, a quarter of your plate carbs, a quarter of your plate protein. And I'm not saying like having those components at your meal is bad. And I'm not saying increasing any of those single components is a bad thing. I just think that when you're in a space where you are reaching to people who may be struggling with their relationship with food, it kind of sends, sends the wrong message in a way. Because it's making them think that like, oh, wait, I should have half my plate vegetables and a quarter protein and a quarter carb. And I don't know what the USDA or wherever, you know, they had the food pyramid and they had my plate and now I have no idea what they have now. But um, I just have noticed that a lot of intuitive eating dietitians share these types of things. And also like, as we know... There is a high percentage of registered dietitians who are white, and there's not enough representation of other um, dietitians from different backgrounds, which means that a lot of the food that is shared as like, oh, wait, this is like a healthy meal. This is a healthy option. It skews more towards the like privileged aspect of food, and it doesn't necessarily show Um, equal representation of different um, types of cuisines from other um, cultural backgrounds. And I think that it's important for people to recognize that. 
Um, and that's why I just, I'm very careful again about like what I share about what I eat. And, um, I don't indicate how much of each that I put or kind of speak about like, oh, why I'm eating this, why I'm eating that. Again, like if you're my patient slash client, you know what we do and everything that we do is unique to each and every one of you. But for the general masses on social media, um, I can't give those same recommendations or any recommendations because if you're not my client, you know, I don't know you. I don't know any of your habits or maybe your relationship with food and things like that. So I've just been very careful with that. So that's another thing. Um, Also, another um, point that I have in terms of intuitive eating is that a lot of these dietitians are, they exist in smaller bodies. And so it's very different for a thin dietitian to be showing themselves eating a piece of pizza and making a post saying, you know, food freedom. And of course it's true. And I'm not like saying like, oh no, there's something wrong with them. Of course not. But I'm just saying that already society demonizes individuals who live in larger size bodies. And when they see someone who lives in a larger size body eating a burger, a piece of pizza, ice cream, whatever you want to name it, that people in general would consider quote unquote unhealthy, those dietitians or those creators get much more hate. And if you look at the comments like on TikTok, on Instagram, on these posts of plus size fat, whatever you want to call them creators, they get a lot of hate. And I obviously don't think that it's fair that anyone should get any hate, um, but it's just much more likely that a random person or whomever on social media would see that post and stitch it or share it or make fun of it and then send their trolls that person's way and it's not cool and it's not fair and I think it's just something to be spoken about because the message comes off in a very different way when you see a thin woman eating a piece of pizza and she's like food freedom all foods fit you know whatever it is I guarantee you there's no one in the comments saying like oh you shouldn't be eating that that's unhealthy that's going to kill you. You're killing yourself. Like these are the types of comments that some dietitians or creators get who share, you know, healing their relationship with food and how, you know, wonderful it is. It just doesn't come off the same. Unfortunately, it should be the same for everyone, but it's not. And it's important um, for those of us in this space to acknowledge that. Next, I want to talk about um, in terms of weight-inclusive living, of how I show up for myself on social media. Um, and this one has been maybe a little bit more difficult because when you constantly stare at yourself, like all of my clients, they're virtual. So I'm literally staring at um, my screen, at myself talking during sessions. You know, it's hard not to look at yourself when you're, you know, on a on a call. Um And so it it makes you kind of like nitpick parts of yourself. And so when it comes to social media, when you're sharing, you know, what you're wearing, sharing videos of yourself talking, um, taking pictures of yourself to use for content, um, it could be very triggering. And so I kind of, for a little while, took a step away from that because I found that it wasn't making me feel good. And... I'm happy to say that I'm in a place where I feel a lot better now. Not necessarily that I feel 
better with how I look because I always have really remained in more of a weight neutral approach um, because, you know, as I've said on this podcast, I've said it on social media a million times, um, it's a lot easier to be neutral towards yourself when you've struggled with hating your body your literal entire life. Um, And so for me, like, even though there's a lot of things that I really don't like about myself, instead of harping on that and using that as a reason to engage in, like, restriction, excuse me, um, that was disgusting. (laughs) Um, I um, focus more on being neutral towards myself. So even though I don't love how I look from every single angle of my body, I still show up for it and I still feed it. I still take care of it and I still move my body in a way that makes me feel good. Um, but more recently, the to the point of this, um, I have been showing more up for myself on social media and sharing myself, like pictures of myself, parts of me, showing the loose skin on my arms, showing the cellulite and the fat on my thighs, um, sharing selfies when I'm in the gym, even though I don't love what I'm looking at. Um, I think it's important for me to kind of desensitize myself to doing that so I become less critical of myself, but also because it is a good way for me to show you guys that it's okay to exist as you are. And, and I preach that nonstop and I, and I have always believed that throughout my recovery um, experience, but I think that it's really powerful for individuals in any size bodies to kind of show up on social media and share these things and share the uncomfortable things. And so I have been doing that more. And honestly, I have been getting so many kind messages and so many like thoughtful and inspiring messages from you guys where people are like, oh my God, like I like never wear shorts because I think that my legs look too fat. Um, And, you know, of course, I always like to reframe how people use the term fat and not use it in a negative way. Um, But I understand, like, that's just something that a lot of people have been used to kind of referring and and it being a negative thing. Um, But showing up on there has really been so powerful and inspiring, and it's making me feel more comfortable in my own skin. And I hope that you guys feel that way as well. And even if you don't live in a larger size body, you may not be um, experiencing the same things. I have learned with my private practice and each and every one of my clients that regardless of their body size, a lot of them struggle with the same body image issues. And so I think that it's important to recognize that and to hold space for everyone. And last but not least, um, I just wanted to talk about reading books. Um, I have been in my reading girl era. Um, Am I too old to be saying that? Probably. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, And I have been very into reading the past few months. Um, I go through my phases where I find a series, I love it, and I have to finish it. Um, But I recently, um, last month in June, set a goal of reading 100 books this year. Um, And unfortunately, I started it in June. And I think it was only 18 books in um, for the year. Anyways, um, here we are about two months later, 
Um, and I read about, I think, 28 books this month, which is very embarrassing. It's a lot of books, but hey, like I'm into it. Um, I'm obsessed with my Kindle and I'm on Book Talk on TikTok, which I'm very excited about. I love to hear reviews and get ideas of books to read anyways. So the point of how this uh, tangent fits into this episode is because out of all the books that I have read throughout my lifetime, I don't, I can't think of any, especially of any of my favorite books that I've ever read in my life that had like a plus size or fat or whatever word you want to call it, female main character. And of course, like as a woman, I like to read books that I feel like I could see myself in, I guess. And so it's very powerful to have found that there are a slew of authors who have created um, books, have written books, who have plus-sized female main characters. Um, And so this past week, last week, um, I read this book um, called Any Means Necessary. Um, It's written by, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name, but it's um, Lila Heron. I will link her, um, the book in the show notes. And she, um, I guess this is her first book that she's ever written. And it's about, it's like a dark romance book. So I'm not sure if you're into that type of um, reading, but if you are, I highly recommend it. Um, But the main character, she is a like size like 1820. Like that's what she refers to herself as. And she is the main character. She is not like trying to lose weight. Um, She's just living her life. And it just so happens that she is a plus size woman. And I think it it was so cool because it, it wasn't the main part of the book. The, the main part of the book had nothing to do with her weight. But there were like events that happened throughout the book that her being a plus size or a fat um, woman played a role in her experiences. And so anyone who has ever lived in a larger size body would probably relate to some of those experiences. And if you don't live in a larger size body, I definitely would recommend reading this book or any book um, that has a plus size um, main character because it could maybe give you a little bit of an insight of like what it feels like in terms of other people like, you know, treating people a certain way because they live in a larger size body and and things like that. So I really enjoyed the book. It was really good. I breezed through it in a day. Um, was it like a life changing, like, oh my God, like this book, like, you know, made me see things in my life differently? Like, no, but it's an, a really fun, good read. And I have been reading other works um, by other authors who have um, plus size female main characters. And so I'm going to be working on creating a list of books that I could recommend to you guys for reading. And so that's definitely in the works. But I really was excited to share this book. And it was really good. It was a fun read. And again, like I, I can't believe I've gone this many years of my life. I am 32 years old. And I really haven't read like a plus size main character or a larger bodied meaning character who wasn't like trying to change themselves. It doesn't mean that like 
the female main character didn't struggle with her body image and how she felt in her body because it was very realistic. Um, but it was really refreshing to read that and to experience that. And in terms of like when I consider what like weight inclusive living is, it relates to these types of things as well. And so if you are someone who enjoys reading books, you're someone who's curious about maybe getting into reading um, more books for leisure, um, I would totally recommend it. I again will link it in the show notes. And I think that sums it up for this episode. Um, This was a little bit more lengthy for a solo episode, but I hope you guys found it helpful or interesting. Um, As always, all of my social media links will be in the show notes. Um, I am all.bodies.nutrition on Instagram and TikTok. And I just wanted to let you guys know before I go that I am opening up the application for um, my one-on-one body kind nutrition counseling. And that ranges from anything from eating disorder recovery, disordered eating recovery, or if you're just someone who is looking to find out how to improve your health in whatever capacity that means for you. Um, I have opened up my applications for the fall. um, So I've been going through that now. So I just wanted to let you guys know that if you are interested in working with me, the link is always in the show notes. It's also in the link in my bio on Instagram. So if you are interested in working with me, go and check that out. Nonetheless, I am again so grateful to have you guys here with me today and I hope you have a great week and I will see you guys in the next episode. So as you guys know, I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian, which means that when I have clients that come to work with me, my job is not to quote-unquote fix your weight. It is to help you heal your relationship with food, heal your relationship with movement, heal your relationship with your body, and in whatever capacity you feel like you want to pursue in terms of improving your health. Um, And that looks different for everyone. And I can get more into that in another episode. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know I have spoken about um, varying topics with under the um, kind of umbrella of a weight-inclusive health. Um, but in terms of what weight-inclusive living means to me, um, and it's something that I just kind of thought about the other day. Um, I am in my reading era and I have been really enjoying reading. I mean, I've always enjoyed reading and once I was in college, in grad school, I kind of like lost my love for it because I spent so much time reading for school and that took up so much of my brain space. So I didn't really have the capacity to kind of read for fun. Um, And so over the years, I have like gotten into like different um, like book um Thank you again for spending this time with me and listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes of the All Bodies Nutrition podcast, please consider giving me a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to this. It really helps me and my small business, and I am eternally grateful. And thanks for listening. I will see you guys next week. Bye.